What is happening to the surface of the planet Earth and to California's Central Valley? Is this California business as usual? Or is this the fight over human and non-human rights? What are the honest, hardcore facts about reckless human behavior that cause the peril that humans make for each other? And what can we do? Where do we find the promise for a better world? Stay tuned for this week's installment. I am Pegasus, your host for The Peril and the Promise. Sponsored by the Peace Life Center of Modesto. Today on The Peril and the Promise, we'll be hearing from Jesus Mendoza of the Central California Environmental Justice Network, as well as from Mike Parker, an electric car enthusiast from Turlock. So the issues today will be about air quality and environmental justice and what people in the Central Valley can do to help improve uh, the condition of the environment for all people here. I'm your host, Pegasus, and I'm here with Jesus from the Environmental Justice Network, the CCEJN. What's the full name? Central California Environmental Justice Network. How long has that network been around? Uh, we've already, uh, we're about to turn 20 this year. That's awesome. To be honest and um, transparent, I've only been here under a year with the organization with CCEJN. Uh-huh. Can you name, in those past uh, two decades, what are some of the, the biggest inroads you've made for achieving more environmental justice in the Central Valley? Well, one of the things, it's uh, definitely engaging the community and bringing together more players to the area of uh, environmental issues as well as environmental justice issues. Uh, so I think that uh, even though we're quite young, uh, we've been able to make uh, enormous gains in terms of um, advocacy in the air, uh, issues related to air, water, food, pesticides, and I think we're just getting stronger. Uh, we've been able to partner up with more uh, people. Uh, that would be uh, EJ organizations, but also um, universities who are conducting research and also state um, agencies. So um, one in particular that could stand out um, in terms of uh, just being able to accomplish uh, engaging processes like AB 617, here in uh, Fresno, the southern part of Fresno, being selected for the first round in terms of AB 617 processes. Excuse me, that's AB 617, that's Assembly Bill, is that what the AB stands for at the state legislature? Yes, yes. Legislature. Thank you. Yes. So the idea of this AB 617 in general is to uh, a, communi- a community air protection um, program. So the idea is then uh, addressing issues impacting air, the quality of air. So it's not only the idea to monitor air and to mitigate the bad stuff, but the idea is bringing the community in to actually play a role in how this process takes, bringing about solutions and stuff. So uh, this is something very positive for the community. Great. Thank you. What's the next step with AB 617? Well, the idea is that uh, unfortunately for the um, uh, for our process here in the Valley, it's been a little rough. We've been able to accomplish in expanding the boundaries, and now it's the idea that hopefully we'll um, get the uh, the air district listen to the community more and continue engaging them. So that uh, right now, it'll um, 
we'll be looking at what's the next step for the process in order to not just um, identify but to actually bring about solutions. So the, we're at that stage right now as far as uh, what kind of tools we're going to bring on to this process. Yeah, you mentioned the, the Air District. Um, Later on today's show, we will be talking about the program in the Central Valley of California that's helped uh, individuals be able to get a hold of an electric car to turn in an old polluting car. It's called Drive Clean in the San Joaquin. We'll be talking about that later. Uh, but uh, part of that issue, why, one of the reasons why the state of California is enabling folks with lower income to get an electric car and, and get rid of their old polluting car is because the air quality is so bad in the Central Valley. Um, I've heard we've got uh, one of the worst um, uh, asthma rates for children. Can you speak more about the quality of the air throughout the Central Valley or specifically in the district where you work? Well, most definitely. Uh, we definitely have to look at it from the valley being the, and I'm not just the Fresno area, but just looking from uh, down from Bakersfield all the way up to Stockton understanding that the uh, impact in California, we have, it, we have it the worst right here in the valley. Okay, from Bakersfield to Stockton because of internal combustion engines like gasoline and diesel. And not only from uh, diesel particulate emissions, but also from stationary sources, but also from pesticides. Uh, yes, agriculture does a lot of good things for uh, agricultural economies, but I think at the end, uh, I think we're paying a heavy price too, and we don't talk about these issues, uh, some of the impacts uh, which agriculture leaves on the uh, rural communities. But uh, in terms of air, so we have those three things that we have to continue addressing. And 8617 does that as well. Just in, in relationship to your question, is that we're having higher impacts here in the valley. So the idea is that. Um, Definitely, we have to continue monitoring this and I, I bring about solutions. And we have to understand that there's a disadvantaged community, that factor of the disadvantaged communities facing this and the low-income communities as well. So understanding that there's different factors within um, this, um, this issue of the air quality, the health quality of uh, folks. I mean, uh, people used to think that asthma was something genetic. <laughs> You know, that uh, it wasn't the uh, air pollution that contributed and whatever stuff was in the air. So now, as more research comes about, we understand that asthma and other respiratory and health conditions are impacting our residents in the valley. If you're just tuning in to The Peril and the Promise, we want to remind you that we've been having a conversation with Jesus Mendoza of the Central California Environmental Justice Network. We'll be right back after a short musical break. Welcome back to The Peril and the Promise. I'm your host, Pegasus. We've been in a conversation with Jesus Mendoza, a community organizer with the Central California Environmental Justice Network. After the conclusion, we'll hear about electric cars in the Central Valley. But let's finish our talk with Jesus Mendoza. Before the break, Jesus, we were talking about 
asthma and internal combustion engines and pesticides. Can you say more about pesticides as it relates to organic food? Has uh, pesticide use in the Central Valley of California gone down at all in the past, like let's say half century? Yeah, to be fair, uh, it has been it, it has been going down. The thing is that there's been pressure and there's been research uh, indicating that they have to stop. For example, chlorpyrifos, that being a carcinogenic, there was a lot of resistance. Now that we probably have half of the use being um, of this pesticide being used, but still it's from pressure uh, from the communities, um, from research. And just uh, there was a bill that was uh, by Senator Maria Elena Durazo from the LA area, um, SB 458, uh, which was trying to get that uh, pesticide ban. They continue using it, but I mean, we have a whole list of other pesticides that definitely need to go, and we definitely have to promote the um, alternatives uh, to these um, synthetic pesticides. And people, sometimes farmers, I understand they get worried that, oh, well, if we uh, take these tools away from uh, farmers, it's um, a lot of jobs are going to be lost. So no, research tends to indicate that alternatives actually bring more jobs and they're safer. But safer conditions for the health, for the environment, for uh, the communities. Yeah, pesticides is definitely an issue that we have to continue engaging and talking about. Uh, we understand like the communities down in uh, Kern, uh, where there's not only the issue of uh, emissions from uh, diesel or um, uh, bad water, um, but they also face uh, having uh, oil well next door to a, uh, a community, a low-income community. So well, they have terrible. that pollution from the oil well. Plus, they have the drift from the pesticides uh, from uh, agriculture right next door as well. So, I mean, communities in the valley um, face more than a single threat, sometimes three, triple threat, quadruple threat from different factors. But definitely the idea is that pesticides must continue to be engaged I mean, what was it, a few years, a couple of decades, the issue with methyl bromide? Yes. There was reluctance to get that, get rid of that. But uh, eventually it, it took eight, eight and a half years to phase that out. But uh, we'll face resistance because people don't uh, accept change that easy. I think the idea at the same time that we talk about these issues, uh, we propose solutions. So we're not just pointing the finger, but we propose some kind of um, alternatives. Thank you, Jesus. Um, uh, a minute ago, you mentioned Maria Elena Durazo. That's Senator, uh, State Senator Maria Elena Durazo from the L.A. area. And did you say the pesticide in the forefront that we're trying to get rid of is? Chlorperifos. Chlorperifos? C-H-L-O-R-E-Y-R-I-F-O-S. Chlorperifos. Yeah. Okay. That's uh, one of the tricky things about this whole situation. <laughs> We're using all these uh, synthetic pesticides, which names are difficult to mention. And so obviously when we engage the community on this, uh, the community ends up having a hard time understanding. So what, 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 uh, what is it? What's the yeah, name of that thing? And exactly. It's kind of hard to create that conversation. I mean, even for us um, advocates uh, and um, organizers, uh, activists, we... We struggle with the names. So, yeah, yeah. And um, do you know what yeah. um, what crops that's mostly sprayed on? Which crops? So this uh, chlorpyrifos is used on over 50 crops here in the valley. And uh, it's also used in the Midwest, but 
uh, here in the valley, we uh, use it in about 50 different crops. And it's a restricted pesticide, so it's, uh, it's very, uh, the process, to be fair to anybody, just to know that it's, um, it's restricted, so it's not, it just can't easily be used in general. It has to be very specific. But the idea is that it's mostly used in almonds, pistachios, uh, nut trees, those uh, grapes, in Lindsay, in the Tulare County, it's mostly used on citruses. Okay. But the idea is that these chemicals are being used, and sometimes, uh, like in Lindsay, the citrus trees are, or orchards are right next door to a school, to a community. Uh, sometimes you see citruses uh, or orchards uh, in the middle of uh, a community. Uh, uh, but also in Fresno County, you have uh, communities like Cantua, and you have a school in the middle, and you have a community of eight, 80, somewhere around 80 houses, and they're all surrounded by these um, orchards, which are being um, sprayed with uh, this uh, chlorpyrifos and other stuff, and the community doesn't know what they're breathing or what they're touching. Yeah, so, yeah. Yeah, well, it's pretty tough. That that is yeah, and um, uh, as you know, this show is called the peril and the promise. Um, Jesus, thank you for explaining some of these difficult and 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 deadly uh, problems that we're facing in the Central Valley. I'm wondering also where our listening audience can can find some hope that we might be able to overcome these problems and uh, get a cleaner Central Valley, both in the air quality and the health quality for for all the people and the plants that live here. What ideas do you have or that your organization, the CCEJN, is working on that might be of um, inspiration for us? Yeah, no, definitely. And I think that it's not just us, but uh, an awesome group of uh, organizations and state uh, there is uh, state agencies that are addressing the issue, bringing different uh, tools and uh, incentives and stuff um, that are actually happening. It's just that, um, as we all know, um, change doesn't come out, uh, happen without resistance. Yeah. Unfortunately, that's part of the process. But the good thing is that communities are uh, being engaged. We just finished uh, stage two of a research that the Colorado State University is doing on this uh, organophosphates uh, as far as the community exposure to them. Yeah. And so we engaged one, two, three, four, I mean, it's uh, five different communities here within the Fresno and the Tulare area. Uh, so this is uh, with the purpose of bringing not only knowledge, but at the same time a tool to bring about resources. And people are looking forward to this um, from the state, from in Sacramento, down to the communities. They're looking forward to the findings of this research. So we have those kind of efforts. There's um, uh, incentives, like you mentioned, just bringing uh, cleaner energy, um, uh, cleaner transportation. Yes, uh, so um, people are bringing, uh, um, having access to these um, incentives. Uh, so is it, uh, does industry. Uh, I think the, those things are happening. But I just think that more and more people are engaging. I think we're getting more youth. I mean, say, for example, here in the Fresno area, uh, uh, Keyshawn White, a young uh, EJ advocate, he's working, doing good stuff at high school and the community in monitoring the air. Very positive to see that the youth is becoming more involved. So we got to get the word out there and continue empowering the community. But more than anything, I think the empowerment uh, will continue to happen when we uh, build capacity 
for the community, for the residents, for them to themselves to engage the process with their own ideas, with their own words. And I think that's happening little by little. I, honestly, I am very hopeful, uh, despite all the work that we have to, yeah. uh, has, has to be done. I think there is progress. And uh, one of the ideas is for us to continue um, uh, our work at dif in different capacities, at different levels, and different issues. Uh -huh. I mean, we understand water uh, for uh, water is a big issue here in the in the Central Valley, not just for agriculture, but the access to clean and safe water. Down in Kern, uh, there is no access to water. There's communities that have uh, you see uh, young children who are grammar uh, school age, and they've never had access to actually drinking water from a faucet, and sometimes not even washing their food from that faucet, but again, it's understanding that uh, we change is not going to come about from one day to the other. There's a lot of stuff that we got to get, um, uh, we got to work on, but yeah. the idea is that things are happening, but it'll happen when more and more uh, people become engaged, and I see that more people are interested. Definitely, everybody wants to have a cleaner house called Planet. We want to have a safer planet. And the idea is just getting the message and people understanding that this process is for real. Thank you. Thanks for speaking to us about the Central California Environmental Justice Network and the good work you're doing. Thank you, Jesus Mendoza. Thank you, Pegasus. Thank you to all your audience. Yeah, and I hope we can speak again in the future as there's more developments and more uh, things that are happening that the uh, listening audience in the Central Valley can get involved with. Hey, most definitely looking forward to those. Thank, thank you, Pegasus. Sure. Thank you, Jesus. Goodbye. And have a great day. That was Jesus Mendoza, a community organizer with the Central California Environmental Justice Network. Now we turn to Michael Parker and the issue of electric cars and the possibility of converting older cars to run on electricity in addition to the electric car uh, system of charging vehicles in the Central Valley. We'll start that dialogue with Mike Parker on electric cars after a quick musical break. Welcome back to The Peril and the Promise. I am your host today. My name is Pegasus, and in a few minutes we're going to hear from a man whose name is Mike Parker. He's calling in from Turlock, California, and he'll be telling us about converting old internal combustion engines that either run on gasoline or diesel to run on electric battery power instead. That's different from the typical electric vehicle you see on the road these days that you purchase from a dealership that sells prefab electric vehicles. Mike has this uh, program that he knows of whereby old cars can throw out their engine and uh, a new battery pack can come into it instead. On that same note, it's interesting to know that Drive Clean in the San Joaquin is a program 
in the Central Valley of California, anywhere from Bakersfield to Stockton, whereby people whose income level is low enough can qualify, perhaps, if they've been driving a 20-year-old car for two years in the valley and been, therefore, polluting the valley, they can turn that car in so that the state of California will smash it up and melt it down and recycle the, the metal. Um, so an individual that does qualify for this program simply demonstrates that they've been driving for two years in the San Joaquin Valley, and they're willing to turn in that old clunker in order to drive an electric vehicle. Um, they choose the car that they want to purchase with the dealership. Uh, the dealership gets $9,000 from the state of California, and the individual drives away with their electric vehicle um, that they then own and must keep uh, hold of as their own property, driving for the next two and a half years. So that way the state of California is able to show that a polluting vehicle has been removed from the road and replaced with a clean air vehicle, aka electric car. So folks who uh, believe that they might be uh, of the right income level to qualify for that and have the right kind of polluting vehicle to qualify for turning it in and getting an electric car, they can look that up on online at Valley Can, that's Clean Air Now, Valley Can, or they can look for Drive Clean in the San Joaquin. Um, but Let's talk to Mike now. Mike is on the line waiting to talk to us. Um, I think, Mike, you were going to tell us about um, a family that's got an old clunker that um, could possibly use an electric car. I, uh, there's a, a couple uh, that I talk to each day. Uh, they live in their car, and they stay at the uh, Planet Fitness gym in Turlock, and they're both working, uh, but they uh, they bought a car for 700 bucks and... Uh, the uh, it needs a catalytic converter uh, to get it to pass smog, and then it they can renew the registration and get them off the hook. But they're real apprehensive about the whole thing. They've been pulled over about seven or eight times now. Wow! Yeah, that's because so if you do drive clean in the San Joaquin, it could take a month or more to get approved. Yeah, and of course they. Uh, I'm not sure if you said they've already been driving that clunker around for two years and therefore it does qualify because it's the person and the car that have to qualify. But anyway, let's uh, move on because we don't know how that family's going to do and I wish them the best of luck and anybody else that's uh, trying to make ends meet and trying to turn in their old clunker for um, a used electric car. So do you just go online to uh, drive clean in the San Joaquin? Right, drive clean in the San Joaquin or also clean air now, Valley Can. I think it's just valleycan.org. Yep, so basically the state of California funds it and then the Valley Can program, it's a nonprofit that does the legwork of distributing and, and making sure that the people do genuinely qualify. That's a good program. I got a grant, 20000 bucks, um, showing off my uh, conversion electric car and and putting in a couple of charging stations up in Modesto, putting on workshops about electric cars and clean air. That was a lot of fun. That's good. Yeah, it's wonderful that um, that it's a it's a win 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 situation. Um, that people yeah. uh, not only do um, individuals that ordinarily couldn't afford uh, an electric car get one because the state is helping with that program, or because qualified mechanics have been able to throw batteries in where engines once stood but also the, the air is cleaner here in the Central Valley, which may translate to fewer health problems for humans because uh, there's less, there's fewer polluting cars on the road. An idea I've had uh, where you take uh, 
uh, older cars uh, that are stick ship that are becoming a nuisance as far as pollution can, is concerned. And uh, what we do is you, you turn them into a, uh, a conversion electric car manufacturing shop in your, in your town and uh, they convert it. Uh, the kits, the conversion kits cost about 10 grand and then you're off driving a conversion electric car with about a 200 mile range. Wow. And do something with uh, uh, older cars that are maybe called the gross polluters and if they're stick shipped, they're a good candidate to become an electric, a conversion electric car and it, it, we might uh, trigger some uh, electric car conversion shops here locally in the San Joaquin Valley, and I'd sure be willing to uh, help to manage that or help to get that going. Uh, I think it would be a good employment development uh, opportunity for towns, and uh, you've got your own car manufacturing every city in the San Joaquin Valley to improve employment development. Yeah, let's communicate about that. Please send me that information. And Mike Parker, for the sake of folks just tuning in, can you tell us what your background is in engineering? Have you ever converted a gasoline car to an electric before? Yes. Yeah, I taught a class. Uh, I taught four classes. They were 10-day classes. Uh, one was here in Turlock at the uh, auto shop at Turlock High. Another one was out on Paulson Road uh, here in Turlock, and then uh, I uh, co-taught a class down in uh, at San Diego High School Academy uh, in Encinitas, and then I also taught a class near uh, within Pennsylvania. And I can't remember the name of the town, but they hired me for for I think five grand, and I. I Anyway, that was another 10-day class. You can convert these things in 10 days, but and all it costs is uh, you got to spend about 10 grand on a conversion kit, and uh, then you need to have uh, like an auto shop available, uh, possibly a, a sheet metal shop to uh, form up the battery boxes and be able to weld stuff. But uh, those are. Pretty, uh, pretty good, interesting courses. A lot of people like to take them and then uh, go into the business. A different battery technology than they currently use in 2019. Yeah, the the battery technology has been a big uh, breakthrough lately. They've gone from lead acid deep cycle batteries to uh, lithium ion batteries, and that accounts for about a, a, a difference in, in mileage per charge from about 60 miles per charge up to uh, I think you can get 200 miles for charge. Uh, it, you got to choose the car body right. You know, it needs to be compact, stick shift, uh, and be able to get parts for it. You know, if you. But. You've been listening to the Peril and the Promise. Uh, that was Mike Parker, one of the radio volunteers at KCBP, who has experience working with electric car conversions. Thanks for tuning in this week to this week's installment of The Peril and the Promise. You've been listening to The Peril and the Promise from kcbpradio.org, produced by Pegasus here at the Peace Life Center of Modesto. 
You can tune in every week at this time to learn about the peril that humans make for each other and the promise that we can make for a better world as community. Music on The Peril and the Promise is by Alzara Getz and Dorothy's Melting.